welcome to episode 205 of Brutal Battle. Yes, we're still here at the uh, Casa de Kolasnik. What, what? Yeah. Uh, Catfight has stopped. Catfight's over. No catfights anymore. They, they were broken up. Um, there's no illegal catfighting ring in the area that I know of, but hey. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to episode 204. There was a catfight on there. Mm, maybe you could hear it, maybe you couldn't hear it, but I at least called it out on the podcast so you know what was going on. But anyway, uh, as we said last episode, we weren't going to stick with those French beers to continue sipping. Pass those along to the ladies to, tr- to be trying out. Uh, so Nathan has a warm-up beer, which yes, I, as I, I always excited. like to do is bring mm-hmm. a warm-up beer as a thank you for having me on the show. So sure. what we have here today is a family favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Old Stock Ale by North Coast Brewing, and this one happens to be uh, 2015. So, so I don't know when the release on that typically is. I think it's towards the end of a year. Yeah, or it comes out kind of like it, so the 2015 comes out either at the end of the year or like the like by spring of 2016. Okay, so I think it's like a little over two years old then in this, but I don't think I've ever had an old stock at this age. So I've had plenty of old stock because I, I friggin' love some old stock, but I think I've mainly just had it like pretty fresh or like the barrel aged versions, which. I think the barrel-aged versions, they age them for, like, two years before release. So, this is, like, this would be, like, one of their barrel-aged releases, but without the barrel aging. So, what does it look like? It looks like an old ale. Orangey red, brown. You can see through it. Yeah, you can see through it. Not too dark. Uh, some bubbles, when you swirl it up, you get a little bit more larger bubbles on there. Oh. Smells so good. Mm. Lots of sweetness to it. Lots and lots of multi sweetness. Um, caramel, brown sugar, little raisin to it. All the good stuff. It smells a little bready, like a little bit of bread. So it's um, rated at eleven point nine percent. It's very sweet in the nose, but it's not like a too sweet type. It's like all the right flavor notes in the nose to, along with the sweetness that makes sense, and it kind of just makes me want to like pour it on some ice cream, honestly. Or make it into an ice cream. Kind of got that butterscotch. Yeah, there's a little bit of the butterscotch in there. It smells very good. This this is what I remember Old Stock smelling like. Very nice. Y'all. There's a slight bit of a metallic note yeah. on the end, but tasty otherwise. Um, definitely got the brown sugar going on, a little bit of caramel to it. Mm-hmm. There's a little alcohol bite as well going on. Definite raisin in there. Definite yeah. raisin. And, um, yeah, it's just like a nice multi sweetness. A little bit of, um, along with the sweetness, uh, the... the the actual like malt sweetness is tasting a little bit like raw honeycomb to me. Yeah. So, also a good flavor. I'd say overall very mm. good. Not past its prime, although it. No. I suspect with that metallic taste, it could be reaching its its kind of tipping point. Well, maybe it got a little oxidized. I think that kind of metallic note yeah. with oxid oxidation happens. Um, 
but uh, no, no, it's still good, and I, I don't think I'd be able to peg it at 11, what was it, 11.6 or something? 11.9, so 11. basically 9. 12. So, yeah, so 12. Yeah. I wouldn't I be mean, able to peg it there. It, I'd put maybe 8. I, I'd probably say like 9.5 at, at the upper range for me. So, yeah, no, good beer. It would be nice to sip on. So the topic for this episode, I wanted to talk about something that we've kind of talked about here and there on the podcast before. So forgive me if you feel like, oh, I've heard this this uh, topic before. Uh, and it's something that gets talked about in craft beer industry and community a decent amount. But um, the kind of uh, oversaturation of craft beer at the moment and what that ends up turning into, which we're starting to see a little bit of now, specifically recent events where... Um, well, the first one I'll just talk about, Smutty Nose Brewing out of, I think they're a Plymouth, Massachusetts. They ended up getting sold. They actually had to be sold at auction because I guess they were having a lot of financial issues. And, um, yeah, they sold at auction. Apparently the price was undisclosed, but someone said that they heard it was like $8 million maybe. But, you know, that's just someone online saying, yeah. oh, I heard so who knows if that's even true. But apparently the new ownership, the brewery's not closing down. You're still going to be able to get beers. Although so you're Rocky Road. Uh, have they made that past one time? I don't know. But that, is, that was good beer. Yes. The other thing is that I think we've had a few other beers by them, and I've talked about them. I think we talked about them at Saber last year because they had like a really nice like blackberry sour beer. And um, they've been upping their game, but the problem is I feel like the marketing of that hasn't really been there. Specifically, I think they kind of needed like a art and label change to kind of signify to people, hey, we're a little different now. Because the beer recipes were there for them to be making the change, but it's dumb, but people kind of want to see a rebrand happen in a sense to kind of feel like, oh, this is kind of new now. Like Maui Brewing just recently did a rebranding. And they have, like, all different labels. Um, I haven't tried anything since then, but I plan to eventually. Maybe there will be some on the podcast. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so the whole Smutty Nose thing, when I heard it, I was kind of like, oh, man. Because I grew up on some of the Smutty Nose stuff. You know, Smutty Nose was around very early on with the craft beer boom. And I remember drinking, like, their Finest Kind IPA, which I thought was a really nice IPA at that time. And their old brown dog was a very good brown ale. Uh, One of the great uh, beers to help people like bridge the gap from not drinking beer to getting into beer. And I actually think that old old brown dog was one that was important for Rebecca's journey into craft beer. So, you know, there's definitely some nostalgia there. But if you don't change with the times and what, you know, the the craft beer drinkers are really looking for, then you're not going to be financially viable so much, and then you, you have to sell at auction, I guess. Um, but do you have any thoughts on Smutty Nose specifically or just the industry? Or I don't have any thoughts on Smutty Nose specifically. I, I mean, the only ones I really know or probably have had are the the Brown Dog and the, the Rocky Road. I can't think of any other ones that I may have had. But, I mean... I, it's hard to say. I mean, how many years has it been that the numbers are for growing breweries, like it's, you know, numerous breweries daily that are being opened and, you know, we've wondered for a while how, like, when is it going to be too much? And 
maybe this is the start. I, I, I mean, know. this is for Smutty Nose. That's a fairly big name. So if we, you know, are hearing about them going under, how many that we breweries that we don't know about that are super local haven't even made it? So, it, you know, it might be interesting to see from here on out if that growth really starts to shrink and maybe even we start to see it decline. Um, also with, you know, all the recent acquisitions of AB and Bev, it, it'll be interesting to see if it seems kind of like some craft breweries, breweries are trying to, you know, team up and make themselves bigger to compete with them. So maybe we'll see, you know, some breweries disappearing, but they're getting bought out by, you know, some of the bigger, Other ones. you know, craft mm-hmm. brews to help um, make a super brew. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, they've certainly done those types of purchases already, like, you know, Oscar Blues buying Cigar City. Um, another one I'm going to talk about in a minute, Green Flash had bought Alpine Beer Company. Um, you know, more, more, a few acquisitions kind of like that. But, um, yeah, you know, maybe that's going to become more prevalent. But I think we're going to continue to see these types of issues because one of the big things, other than what I just said about, you know, needing to rebrand and stay up with new beer recipes and everything... Uh, also, the issue of getting too stuck in the current thinking of how the beer market is and not understanding with the amount of new breweries opening how hard it's going to be going forward. Because I think a lot of breweries tend to get into this like, oh, we're doing really well right now. And so they we're going to expand. Doing what they're doing or they expand too well, fast. Well, yeah, I think they, the expanding too fast is a really big thing. And a lot of the times they'll be like, oh, well, we need to expand because we can produce more and people will buy it at the moment. So they'll go, they'll take out a loan with the bank, and then something happens with the change in the industry or how people perceive their beers or they're not, you know, putting out the right styles or whatever. And then they start falling behind on their payments. And then you get an issue like with green flash happened where they were going to be foreclosed upon by the bank. Uh, and prior to that happening, they had actually pulled their distribution out of like 33 States, I think, and cut their workforce by like 15%. Um, they do say that now, like all their workers who are still there, um, they sold to, uh, an investment company, which that's who's buying these are investment companies. Um, so they sold and they said that the rest of the workers who are still there will remain employed. That's what they say. We'll see. And so that brewery will continue as well. But, you know, what? how far behind are the new owners going to be? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what do they have to work with? Do they have a plan forward? Like, what are they going to do? With the instance of Smutty Nose that we were talking about, they had already said that they had plans to, you know, make some recipe changes Hopefully they're going to do some marketing changing, but they're also going to start investing in like canning lines and stuff like that because cans are a much bigger thing right now and uh, bottles are going by the wayside. So that is a good thing that they can do to kind of modernize a little bit more, but um, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. But on the, uh, on the, the green flash thing, you know, I had questions about that, but I, I couldn't a hundred percent get the answer because I couldn't find anywhere. Um, since Green Flash had purchased Alpine beer, I was wondering, well, if Green Flash was being sold because they were going to be foreclosed upon, what happens with Alpine? Is Alpine just going along with that or were they going to sell Alpine separately? And I couldn't find an answer to that. So because I couldn't, I'm assuming it's all together because otherwise I feel like it would have been called out as, you know, Alpine being sold separate. But 
I don't know. But it, it's just another instance of, like, that's another one that I have nostalgic feelings about. Like, when I started getting into IPAs back when I did that, I uh, was I was big into the West Coast IPA by, by Green Flash. And I remember when the crazy bitterness hopping wars were going on and they put out Palette Wrecker. And I remember having that and being like, man, that's aggressive as hell, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, I've... Uh, I've had uh, Palette Wrecker by Green Flash, and then um, I don't remember the other one, but I mean, they had good beer, so it's just, and it's also very weird, just like especially it's a big name like Green Flash, and you know somebody that you've actually heard of when you see that they're going under, like it's it's kind of strange. Yeah, you just always assume it's like the little you know local breweries that you know, pop up for a year or two and then don't make it. Um, so it's, times are changing, I guess, when the, yeah. some of the bigger guys are starting to go under. So from my perspective, with um, with Green Flash, this is just what I saw in Maryland, distribution-wise. I wasn't seeing over the years much of a change in, in the beers they were putting out. Their branding was always the same. The artwork on the labels was always the same. And I wasn't seeing a whole lot of a change in what they were putting out. They did move over to some canning, which, you know, that's definitely a a good move. But I wasn't seeing a whole lot of different stuff being pumped out by them. But then again, you know, maybe that's just what I was seeing on the East Coast because they're from San Diego. So maybe they were doing a lot of different stuff, but it was mainly in the San Diego market or, you know, California, further West Coast cities out or uh, states out that way. So, is it an accurate portrayal? Maybe it was what I was seeing, and that was one of the contributing factors, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm off base about it, but uh, I think just overall it's something to think about, that these breweries are not thinking ahead enough because they need to understand there are a lot of breweries opening, and people are very fickle when it comes to purchasing beers, and a lot of people are in in the mode that you know I'm I'm in actually of kind of a beer ticker. I want to try new stuff. So there isn't a whole lot of brand loyalty out there at the moment. So you just need to keep making different beers, and that's what keeps people coming back. Having some staple beers will work here and there, but overall, you just need to keep pumping out different stuff and releasing it in small releases. That's oh why. God. Yeah, like Flying Dog, actually, yeah. On the last episode, we had that Flying Dog beer on there. They have so many different beers. Yes, and I think for that reason, they'll be fine sticking around, at least for now, because they keep putting out new stuff all the time. Uh, One of the other things that's that's very popular and at the forefront right now are these these beer can releases at the breweries themselves that have been happening a lot, especially on the East Coast, I know. Uh, I know there's some West Coast breweries doing it too, but I think it's happening more on the East Coast. Uh, and that's like less uh, beers that are less shelf-stable. So that's why they kind of have to have the release like that. It's like sours with like fruit and lactose that if they put them on the shelf, they can continue to f- ferment and then end up exploding. Or stuff like the you know the New England-style IPAs, or as people call them, hazy IPAs, that just don't have a long shelf life because the way they're constructed, their flavor starts deteriorating kind of quickly. So you really don't want to put those out on a shelf because who knows how long they'll sit there. People buy it, drink it, not get a true representation of what it's supposed to taste like, and then be like, oh, this sucks. 
so they have to do these releases at the brewery, and it's making them good money. I mean, yeah. you're cutting out the middleman too, which that's a whole other issue that's coming to focus at in Maryland, where the distributors and the bars have gotten pretty pissed off about it because they're getting cut out because they were the middlemen, and now they're getting cut out because the tap rooms can serve all sorts of beer and. They're doing these can releases. That yeah, they get food trucks. You know, I think food trucks are a big thing now. Oh yeah, food trucks are so exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the other thing. It's a good way uh, as a brewery. You don't have to deal with the food portion of the business, which I understand is an extreme pain in the ass. But also, you have the flexibility to bring in different types of food every day if you want to. Honestly, and I know there are a lot of breweries who have like a rotating schedule of, of food trucks that show up. And it's like, like just thinking of independent brewing, cause it's kind of near me. Um, they have like one that's Greek. They have one that's like a more fine dining type thing. They have one that's barbecue, one that's pizza. Um, they have a few other ones that I'm not thinking of at the moment, but it, it just goes to show that you can hit all these different types of food, which will keep people coming in. You're making different types of beer that people want to come and try. And you're having different types of food served that people also want to come and try. So the variety is so much, as opposed to a bar that's been serving the same type of food forever. Yep. People are, you know, might go in for a beer, but be like, yeah, I've been having this food a lot. And uh, their mozzarella sticks the past three years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, these people make uh, buffalo wings. Okay, who doesn't? Yeah. You know? Well, which... Side note, well, related, but kind of side note, um, there's a new sports bar that's going to be opening in, in Bel Air, Maryland, which is close to where we live, and uh, it's just it, it's going to be a sports bar, and I, I guarantee they're going to have a bad tap list, because that's usually how it goes, and the food is going to be nothing exciting, it's going to be like wings, and mozzarella sticks, and burgers, and, and we already have a lot of that. Like, we have Buffalo Wild Wings. We have, you know, other places that are like that. Um, and that place is going to fail. I mean, right now, when, like, craft beer is kind of making it so that you you can't just be a normal sports bar, here we're about to get, like, a normal sports yeah. bar. And I'm like, these people do not see what's coming. And they're going to get crushed. So, oh well. That's their fault. Speaking of crushed. Yeah. Let's crush some beers. Um, have you cr- crushed with... No, you didn't. No, I'm you saving crush it. Stock. Saving it. Yeah, I'm trying not to go too hard on it. I've been sipping on it a little bit as we've been talking, but um, I'm trying not to go too hard because I think we, we're probably going to do another episode after this, and I, I want to be able to mentally stay on top of things. It doesn't take much beer for me for my mind to start getting a little cloudy. Because I, I need to be on top of stuff with this podcast. Um, all right, let's do mystery beers. All right. The first one actually looks a lot like the first one from the last yeah, episode. That, uh, and the, well, this one may be a little more golden colored. The other one was very was yellow. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah, this has a little more of a gold tinge to it, but pretty yellow. A um, little hazy, not crazy. A little bit of uh, head. Um, it makes a little bit more as you swirl it, but very little. Got filled kind of high. We're, in, we're using small glasses. It got filled kind of high, so it's hard to do the swirl. Does it smell very like cereal? I yeah. smell like a lot of grain. A lot of grain. 
A little bit of lemon, maybe. A little bit of lemon, yeah. I don't think I'm going to be able to get a lot off of this nose. Yeah, a little lemon, a lot of grain. Just kind of zest. Yeah. Yeah, like a lemon zest. Yeah. It That's smells all right. Yeah. Kind of refreshing type smell to it. Maybe a little bit of an orange note on the nose, though. Don't get any funk, so possibly this is more IPA-esque than um, Farmhouse or Saison. I don't know. All right, I'm ready to try it. What is that? What is that? I'm not going to complain about it. It's a little coconutty to you, maybe. I don't think coconut... What Usually when that? I have coconut, I kind of get a feeling in the back of my throat, almost like you, like an allergic reaction, kind of like tingly in the back of my throat. But I don't really get that. Um, so it has a bit of a mouthfeel to me and a flavor to me, kind of a little bit like coconut water. You know, because it's a little bit thick. It's not like, it's not the consistency of water. Coconut water has a little bit of a thickness to it. It kind of strikes me as like a coconut water. Get a little bit of grass in the hot profile and lemon. Yeah. I see the lemon. Yeah, I get that little bit of grass. A decent amount of graininess to it. Like we were talking about on those green. I just feel like there's some sort of like coconut to it. I like it. It has a little bit of like a slick mouthfeel. Yeah. Which I feel like is... Kind of like what I'm talking about with with that kind of like coconut water type consistency. Could this be the Lupa Luau? I don't know. Or the, um, was Lupa Luau that Dogfish had? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's... So then I think Springhouse makes a, something's very similar to that name, like a something Go-Go. Lupa Go-Go? Yeah. Yeah. Does that have coconut in it though? I, don't, I, think, I don't remember. I feel like it is. I feel like it's kind of like a copycat of um, that um, Lupa Luau. That's possible. I'm struggling because there's one other note in this beer that I just can't put your finger yeah, on. Yeah, I can't figure out exactly what it is, but I'm getting it on every sip. I like it. It's decent to me. Um... What is kind of crazy is how much more viscous it is yes, than, it than it looks yeah. and smells. It's got a little bit of bitterness on it, but nothing mm -hmm. nothing crazy. It does. It does. Um, okay. I feel like maybe there's almost a little bit like a cocoa husk on on the end of each sip. I don't know. It's weird. That beer's like messing with me for some reason. Really messing with me. All right, let's go to B. This looks like yeah, some sort of stout. At the very like, if you look kind of through the very bottom, you can see a little bit of like daylight coming through, but Barely. overall nothing. Um, nothing very dark. Pretty brown head when you swirl it up. Not the brownest I've seen, but pretty brown. I think my nose is getting a little stuffy. Might have a hard time. Ooh, it's so oh. salty. Yeah, salty and like uh, cocoa powder. Yeah, cocoa-y, salty. It's very like rich. It's like a like teriyaki beef jerky. 
a little bit in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's where that saltiness comes in as well. It's like beef jerky teriyaki salty with some cocoa laid on top of it. Maybe a little bit of, like, new tire smell. Yeah, I, yeah. That's, that I, I sounds so disgusting. Weird, but. Weirdly, I agree with that. <laughs> it sounds I'm, so nasty, but... I'm smelling for, uh, I'm smelling for peppers. I don't smell... No, smell you mean, any. like, chili peppers? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't smell... I don't smell any of that. It smells really salty to me. Like, yeah. maybe it's, like, an oyster stout? Oyster stout or some sort of, like, salted, uh, you know, chocolate truffle beer or something yeah. like that. I mean, I don't smell any sort of oceanic smell like you can get with uh, oyster stouts, but I feel like oyster stouts usually give me like a lot of salinity in the nose and the flavor usually, but I, I kind of hope it is an oyster stout because it's been a long time for me since I've had any. All right, ready to try it. It's smooth like there might be some lactose in there. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, I feel like the flavors are translating a lot from the aroma. Like beef jerky, teriyaki, um, salty, uh, that chocolate. But I actually think with the bitterness, the chocolate's tasting a little more like a dark chocolate on there. Yeah. It does have a creaminess to it, which I think is what you're getting at with the lactose. Yeah. The surprisingly more bitter than the alleged IPA in um, Beer Ag. So the aftertaste is like slight char. Yes. Uh, dark chocolate, a little bit of saltiness. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. I get, I, I do get that like um, kind of tire smell, like if you're changing the tube in your bike. Yeah. Like, bike tire kind of has that weird rubbery smell. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I feel like this is probably higher ABV. I wouldn't be surprised. Because I feel like I'm getting a little bit of an astringency that's starting to come out at the end. You think, like, 11? No. Like, 10. 10. Yeah. Maybe nine, but more around ten. Okay, there's a decent lingering bitterness in my mouth. Yeah. Okay. I don't dislike so, you. I gotta go back to A though. Going now. back to A, the flavors are kind of upped. It's a little more like juicy. Oh, yeah. Going back to it. I agree, and I I start to get mango, maybe. Coming off as like mango kind of? Maybe, or like a, what about papaya? I remember what papaya tastes like. <laughs> it's been a while. I don't know if I remember either, but that's the closest thing I can think to maybe not mango. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. See, I feel like we need to have various fruits and, um, Jerkies and stuff like at the table, you can be like to make those comparisons. To make comparisons. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I think I know where I'm going to go. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go um, first? I'm ready. I, yeah, I'll go first. I suppose. Go I'm going to give A a four. 
Okay. Uh, I'm very happy with um, what it is. Uh, I do like a lot of the flavors in it, um, and I think it's very solid. I don't find anything really off-putting about it. Um, B, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on it. It, it's, it intrigues me. I don't... I, I don't know if I enjoy it a lot, but um, I think I'm just going to go three on it. Okay. Just because I'm slightly confused about the flavors that are in there and how they all work together. Okay, so I'm going to go with two on A because it's weird to me. Like, the, the way the flavor profile is coming together is just kind of odd to me. And that, that kind of viscosity to it that seems off, that's like coconut water, is also throwing me for a loop. And I just... Like, I don't hate it, but I don't really like it either. It's kind of like, um, But I'm going to give a three to B. So we, we lined up on B. Um, I'm, I'm good with it. Uh, it. It seems like a very, I don't want to say, I was going to say uninspired flavor profile, but I don't want to say quite that. It, 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 it seems a, like they tried to do something neat with it, and maybe it didn't quite pan out. It's hard to say. I guess we'll find out in a few moments when we reveal what it is. Like, I like it, but I I just feel like the salinity is a little much, and how that's playing with the kind of chocolatey notes. Maybe take that kind of, like, salinity down and upplay the the chocolatey notes. But, I don't know. So, I mean, they tie. So, they're overall three, both of them. So, that's good. So, yeah, makes sense. All right, let's go with A first, then. Um, A overall three. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Evil Twin Brewing, and it's their IPA Colada, which is an IPA brewed with lactose, pineapple, and coconut extract. Well, there we go. I did get the coconut. I didn't really get pineapple, though. Yeah, didn't get the pineapple either. Um, do you, do I feel like... Okay, so the viscosity... It's got to be the coconut and... Well, the coconut the and the lactose. The lactose. The lactose uh, making it more viscous as well. But yeah, the coconut and the lactose between the two of those. Yeah, I'm not... Pineapples are kind of like fuzzy and, you know, kind of stringy when you eat them. They have a little bit yeah. of a mouthfeel. So I don't know if any of that translated through. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend that. I'm going to bet that's expensive too. It's a 16-ounce can... Um, evil twin is always evil twins usually yeah they're usually a little pricey. What's ABV? Eight percent. This is probably about right, I guess. I don't. I don't really think it tastes like eight, though. I think I'd guess more like six and a half, seven. So they did a good job hiding the ABV. I just eh, not big on that beer. Coconut and beer has to be done a certain way for me, preferably in a stout. Yeah. Yeah, no, yes. Yeah, yeah, basically. That's that's kind of where I'm going with it. Um, like, as as well-constructed as the Lupu Luau is by Dogfish Head, I just don't think I like coconut in IPAs. I don't like it. At least not to the degree that it's been done. Anyway, B, also with a 3. Oh, this is a 750, or no, a 22-ounce. Yeah, it's a 22-ounce. So there's more of it here. Oh, oh. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't even know we had this. Uh, this is a barrel-aged Old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout aged in bourbon barrels by North Coast Brewing, who also does Old Stock, so how funny is that? I would not have pegged that <laughs> as Rasputin. I enjoy Rasputin a lot. 11.1%. So, yeah. 
So here's the thing for me. Old Rasputin, I feel like every time I have it, it tastes different. different yeah. Every time I have it, it tastes different. And I don't know what that has to do with. Does it have to do with I'm drinking different aged versions of it? Or are they, or is always, it the tweaking, are they always tweaking their recipe? Yeah. Is it kind of a constantly evolving um, beer? But would not have pegged that as Rasputin. This is a 500 milliliter bottle. I can't find any day code on this. Is so, it on the bottom? Is it like one of those with kind of like a... I don't... No. No, there's nothing. There's no like little stamp or whatever in the glass anywhere? No. Hmm. If there is, it got rubbed off because I don't see it. So, I don't know. Was this given to me by Kyle Norman? Did this come out of my cellar? That's possible. I don't remember. Or maybe uh, maybe Rebecca purchased that at Wine World. Because I think I did see it there recently, actually. Yeah, she probably purchased it. Um, I find it highly funny that we had apparently yeah. told Rasputin when we had our warm-up as old stock. That's funny. Um, th- these aren't bad beers. I'm just not a fan of the IPA Colada. I do like the barrel-aged old Rasputin, but I don't like it a ton. So, Okay. I see the bourbon barrel now. I definitely do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But uh, I do say that it doesn't taste like 11.1. Absolutely not. Definitely not. Much lower. Much lower. All right. Well, um, that's cool. I hope the ladies already grabbed some of the the old Rasputin. I think they'll probably enjoy it. But, uh, yeah. Actually, you know, talking about, real quick, the... The, the ever-changing flavors of Old Rasputin for me. Uh, the last time I had one was at a, a um, I think it was at Parents Bistro, so at a restaurant kind of near us. And I don't know how long the bottle was there. I don't know what vintage it was, but I had an Old Rasputin and it had a lot of, a lot of metallic notes to it and didn't really taste at all like I remember Old Rasputin yeah. being. So um, the Russian Imperial Stout uh, sometimes for me does get kind of salty, so I understand that aspect of it right now. I just think that like that saltiness is a little strong. For this. I, I haven't had uh, Old Rasputin in a while, but the last time I had one, it was uh, Nitro. Ooh, okay. That is, it's really tasty on Nitro. Nice. Well, potentially depending on what batch you get. I guess so, yeah. And what vintage. All right, cool. Well, uh, until next time, we'll uh, we'll keep sipping on some of this stuff and... What will the next episode have in store? Not quite sure yet. No, it's maybe more cat fights. <laughs> maybe more cat fights. But until next time, keep it brutal. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.